but I love running a class because I love seeing people have that aha moment. You know, I love when the new people come in and they, they're kind of skeptical and they don't know who I am. And they're like, this girl's going to teach me how to do what? You know, and I'm, I'm like, just just give me like five minutes. I promise I'll, I'll you know, get you to where you want to go. This is episode number 37 with CrossFit trainer and adaptive athlete, Steph Hammerman. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Julie Fouché, medical student and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring to you information and inspiration from experts and everyday individuals for how to use lifestyle to maximize health. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. Welcome back to Pursuing Health. In this episode, I sit down with Steph Hammerman, who many know as an adaptive athlete and CrossFit trainer. However, Steph is currently in the middle of a very tough battle with lymphoma. She was gracious enough to give us all a glimpse of what she's going through now and how she's been able to consistently overcome obstacles since she was born. A little bit of background about her. She was born three months premature and has been defying the odds of what it looks like to live with cerebral palsy ever since. She had a background in hand cycling and finally stumbled upon CrossFit in 2012. It wasn't long after that that she became the first female adaptive athlete to earn her CrossFit Level 1 trainer certificate and began coaching. I first watched Steph compete in 2013, and since then she has worked to advocate for opportunities for adaptive athletes to compete at large events, including the first ever adaptive athlete division, which occurred at Wadapalooza in 2015. A few months ago, Steph was diagnosed with lymphoma, and she's currently living in New York while she undergoes her chemotherapy treatments. I caught up with her a few weeks ago to discuss her journey and how her positive outlook and refusal to take no for an answer have led her to become such a great example for others. Before we get started, I have a few quick reminders. First, if you're enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and consider giving it a five-star rating. You can also head to my website, juliefouché.com, where you can enter your email to stay in the loop with the podcast and everything else I'm doing with my bi-weekly newsletter. I'm also always looking for inspiring stories to share. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send your story to me at info at juliefouché.com, and I'll select some to share here on future episodes. If you're interested in training with me, check out my program through Beyond the Whiteboard. This is the actual training that I do now, five days per week, one hour per day, scheduled out for you minute by minute from warm-up to cool-down. We also have a train-on-the-go program that's perfect for helping you get your workouts in, whether you're on vacation or just have a busy week at home. For more info or to try the programs out yourself, visit beyondthewhiteboard.com slash juliefouché. Also, please remember that although I'm nearing graduation from medical school, this podcast is meant to share the experiences of individuals and does not provide medical advice. So with that, let's get started here on episode 37 of Pursuing Health featuring Steph Hammerman. Welcome back to Pursuing Health. I'm here with Steph Hammerman, otherwise known as Steph the Hammer. And right now, you are going through a huge battle, which I want to get into later on the podcast, um, but I appreciate you coming on the podcast now, and I'm so excited to talk about all sorts of things that you've been up to, um, so thanks for taking the time. You're so welcome. This is going to be so fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. So maybe we could start, I like to start at the beginning and give people some context, so Maybe if you could talk first about what it was like growing up, um, whether sports or working out was any part of your life, um, or what role that played early on. Okay, so I was born um, three months premature. I have a twin brother, and two of us were born about three pounds, and I was born one pound, 15 wow. ounces. So my brother, brother got a little bit more oxygen than I did and I lost a lot of blood and that caused me to actually have a mini stroke which caused me to have cerebral palsy. Um, my brother is completely able-bodied so I've always lived in a world where there was never really a difference. So my brother and I um, were never really treated any different. You know, he, okay. uh, you know, he may have been quote-unquote able-bodied but 
my parents never really treated us any any different, um, and they wanted me to have the best quality of life. Um, I'm one of ten kids, so my nine other siblings uh, were kind of like the his, mine, and ours uh, <laughs> family, big Brady Bunch family, but everybody else is able-bodied. So I grew up really not knowing anything different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big question a lot of people have. Like, did your parents treat you different? Not really. So uh, there were no real excuses for me. As long as they f- could figure out, and by the time I was like three, they figured out that I could form complete sentences and my you know, intellectual abilities were no different than any other child of the age of three. Mm-hmm. They were like, okay, I think you'll, you'll be all right in life. Um, and so throughout my whole childhood, they really just, gave me the most normal life they could uh sports and things were a part of my life but I was never part of like team sports like I was never involved in like a baseball league or a little league soccer game you know that wasn't that wasn't really safe because Mm -hmm. I didn't really have like adaptive programs for that um but I went to mainstream school, and I went uh, from first to fifth grade to a mainstream private school. Then I went to mainstream public middle school and high school. And if throughout high school, you know, my teachers were the ones that were saying, like, maybe you shouldn't, like, work so hard, and this might be hard for you, so you might not want to take this class. And, you know, hmm. in, when you grow up in New York, when you grow up in New York State, you have to take these regents exams. Okay. And they're like big state tests to be able to get into like bigger colleges. And mm-hmm. so they kept telling me like, you don't need to get a regents diploma. Like you'll be all right with just like a regular diploma. And I'm like, no, like I want <laughs> to, you know, I, I need to uh, try to achieve this. And if it's completely impossible, we'll figure it out. But right. let me at least try it. So it was kind of, it was kind of cool because in my, from first grade all the way to 12th grade, I was the only physically disabled child in the entire school district. So, yeah, so they they didn't really know, like, what to do with me, especially when it (laughs) came to phys ed. And so, like, physical education classes were cooler as I got older because I could teach the teachers, like, how to adapt classes. Like, I remember showing the the teachers. So, like, you know, there were things like badminton and, like, soccer that I couldn't necessarily, like, play – the same way as you, but I would try my best, you know, mm-hmm. so that that was a cool perspective. But I've always grown up with the attitude of, you know, if I want to do it, I'm going to get it done. So mm-hmm. that's just the way that I've grown up. And it's amazing to hear from you that you were the only one in your district because really you have been such a trailblazer from the beginning and having to do that <laughs> all along the way um, and kind of create your own path and teach other people. So it's interesting to see yeah. how you've been doing that from a young age. I still go back to my high school sometimes and help the teachers in the phys ed class. I've been back twice now, and I show them different adaptive movements that they could be doing with the kids because a lot of the high schools now are taking on strength and conditioning, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so, some kids happen to, you know, whether they have some sort of learning disability, developmental disability, or, you know, a physical challenge, some of the teachers don't know how to deal with that. And so I, I've gone in, into my high school now twice and worked with them on different like strength and conditioning movements and showing them kind of the things that they can incorporate mm-hmm. into class. Wow, that's awesome oh. to come full circle like that. Um, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so tell us then how you initially found CrossFit and started getting into CrossFit. All right, so May 3rd of 2012 was my first day uh, ever walking into a a CrossFit box. Um, I had found CrossFit because I was a competitive cyclist for about two years before I did CrossFit, and I I was kind of bored. I was (laughs) bored with the whole, like, treadmill, you know, elliptical thing. I had worked with a trainer for quite some time, but I was was a little bored. So my friend was a coach um, in – my friend from college was a coach and she said, you know, why don't you come to my gym and we'll see if we can, you know, figure something out. Mm -hmm. Yes. I walked into CrossFit hardcore and uh, I met with the owner. His name Mm -hmm. was Scott Lefferts and he, he's kind of that, like that tough love coach, you know, he's, he's this on the outside. He just looks like, 
this guy that would just be angry and mean and, you know, just, just tough, right? And when I met him, I looked at him and I was like, listen, I take this really seriously. I don't really know much about it, but I would really like to try. And he said, all right. And we talked for probably like an hour and a half. And then he was like, you want to work out? And I was like, all right. So we did some some small workout just to see what I could do. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget one burpee took almost like 25 to 30 minutes wow. because I could, I didn't have, I didn't have the strength or the ability to know how to get up that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Scott and I, Scott and I really started to figure stuff out on our own. Um, cause you got to remember that I was the first person with cerebral palsy that I knew of mm-hmm. doing CrossFit. So I didn't know anything like I couldn't I just made things up I couldn't be like hey Julie how do you do box jumps right that doesn't make any sense <laughs> so um yes yeah. so we worked really hard to to kind of start to figure things out and little by little I was like hey maybe I should start filming this so mm-hmm. that I can see how I look in the future and then I posted it on social media and I was like, man, this could be helping somebody else. And yeah. that's kind of how the platform started. Um, wow. But yeah, I mean, I fell in love with it and I never looked back. So. And what are some of those changes that you noticed right away in the first few months or the first year that you started doing CrossFit? Do you remember any of the benchmarks or you know how long it took you to be able to cut time off of your burpee or... Learn oh, yeah. some different I mean, skills. I started going to him. I started going. Um, the first biggest mistake that I think I made it looking back, um, I went to him privately and mm-hmm. I never really I never really took a class. So okay. when I when an adaptive athlete comes to me now and they're like, I have cerebral palsy or my son daughter has CP and I don't know if they can do this. The biggest thing I say is have one private conversation mm-hmm. about your abilities and the things that you think you can and can't do. And mm-hmm. then talk, talk about inclusion because I missed out on a good like eight months of inclusion. Mm-hmm. And I remember I went probably a year into CrossFit, almost a year into CrossFit. I went to Virginia to CrossFit Rubicon Mm -hmm. and I met Chef and his crew and he was the one that looked at me and said, so when are you going to coach for me? And (laughs) I was like, what are you talking about? I've never even been in a class. And he was like, okay, when when are you going to get in a class? (laughs) And that's kind of like how that all started. But when it comes back to benchmarks, you know, just picking myself up off the floor was a big deal. So I think it took me about a couple weeks to really gain some strength. CrossFit makes you fearless, you know, because you have the person in the gym that even if you're not working out with them, like you're working out with them because you want to show them like, hey, like this is what I can do versus like, hey, this is what I can do. And honestly, a lot of those movements that we came up with mm-hmm. happened because, and and I know I sound so crazy, but it happened because I had dreams. I had really? dreams of, yeah, I had dreams of like how I was going to hold a barbell and, and be stable because I was on my crutches or in my chair. Like how is it supposed to work out? Uh-huh. And so I remember I had a dream once about having a PVC pipe in my hands while I was on my knees. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, we got to try this out. And, <laughs> and so I did. And I mean, everything yesterday, I posted a video on social media and I couldn't believe that I was saying that it had been three years, you know, wow. three, three years since my first competition. I've been doing CrossFit almost for five years. Like it's, it's just crazy to think that you can, you know, a sport can take you from one place to a place that you've never thought you'd ever go to in your life. So it is crazy. And I think that first competition, because I saw you post that video yesterday, I think that was the first time that I saw you, but I remember watching you compete at the crush games. And I don't know if I introduced myself, but, um, I remember like everyone gathered around and watching and everyone being like, wow, this is so cool. We've never seen someone do something like this before. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's where it's become like a testament of, I always said that it, it's really cool to be the first. Like I'll never be, nobody will ever be able to take that away from me. But what's really cool is like 
seeing a girl that's 16 years old and she's now doing CrossFit and killing it and she has CP, you know, and like that's, and that's partially because, you know, I, I got to do it too, you know, and I got to be that example for somebody three years ago. And so I think that that's, that's really cool and, and a testament to what the community does in the sport. So, Absolutely. And it, yeah. I think it's that same idea of seeing what's possible and then constantly raising the bar. And we see it, you know, with the Open every year with people getting their first muscle up or new skills. We see it with competition every year getting better and better. But it just takes that first person to put themselves out there and show everyone else what's possible. And then everyone kind of follows and tries to keep raising the bar. So it's so cool to see even what's happened since you first started competing yeah. a couple of years ago. Um, what about coaching? So can you talk about when did you even start to think that that might be something you would like to do? So I was about six months into it and I, I just loved the idea of teaching somebody else like your perspective on something. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't know there were other like adaptive athletes that were coaches. Um, and then I met Chef Wallach from CrossFit okay. Rubicon and he has had adaptive coaches kind of since he opened. But they're, they've all been um, veterans that were wounded or, you know, in some sort of accident. And so I remember meeting him and I said, you know, do you think I'd be able to coach? And mm -hmm. he said, not only do I think you'll be able to coach, but I really want you to be one of my coaches. And I really owe it to him for giving me the opportunity to, to be a coach. Mm -hmm. I have to tell you that I've now been coaching for almost four years. Yeah. About three and a half years. Okay. And, uh, I didn't become really good at what I do until I stopped like regurgitating information. So I kind of look back and mm -hmm. like I think about my level one and my level two and like I always wanted to just do what like the level one people do. And like you don't learn until you really start making mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget the moment that I truly started calling myself a coach was when I taught a very tall man mm -hmm. how to double under and wow. it and it and it clicked for him and we both looked at each other and we were like holy crap that just happened you know <laughs> like that that was the moment and I and I used all my own cues I created all my own visuals because mm -hmm. you have to remember I'm I'm speaking from a perspective that I will never know I will never know what it feels like to hold a rope in my hands and jump at the same time because that's physically impossible right so for for me to be able to look at a grown man and say, hey, I'm in a wheelchair, but I'm going to show you how to jump rope, and then I'm going to show you how to move this barbell, this is a big deal. And I remember um, one of the other coaches used to say to me, it takes a really long time to become a good coach, and it takes an even longer time to become a great coach, but one day you'll be an excellent coach. And it's taken me a long time, but now I have you know, you asked me what the, the community or the sport had kind of given me. It's mm -hmm. given me a sense of confidence and a sense of belief in myself that I never thought I would ever have. So when I roll up into a, a new gym, you know, I haven't been coaching, uh, and we'll get to talking about that a little bit later, mm -hmm. but I haven't been coaching for four months, and I'm going stir-crazy, you know. And <laughs> the, it's it's not the point of like yes do I love running a class because I, I I love you know the leadership aspect of it sure but I love running a class because I love seeing people have that aha moment mm -hmm. you know I love when the new people come in and they they're kind of skeptical and they don't know who I am and they're like this girl's gonna teach me how to do what you know <laughs> I'm like just just give me like five minutes I probably promise I'll, uh, I'll, you know, get you to where you want to go. And yeah. so that's kind of my, my favorite thing. My other favorite thing is being able to take somebody's perspective and turn it on its head, mm -hmm. right? Where like I have, my grandpa is almost 80 years old and he does, you know, his, his versions of CrossFit and wow. he loves the sport. He loves the people in it. He loves the community because of what it's done for me. And he's seen the changes in my own body. And he started working with a trainer that is a level one trainer. And so he has the perspective of what CrossFit can do at any age. 
So I think that's been really cool. That's really cool to be able to share that with him too. Yeah. You you talk about having to change people's perspective and kind of having to earn their, their trust as a coach. What are some of the techniques that you use or that you've learned to try to do that? Well, you know, people first look at me and, and I let them have questions. So if they don't, have never met me ever before in their life, I explain to them who I am and, mm-hmm. you know, what they visually see. So they see a wheelchair. They see, like, why am I in this chair? So I explain it. We spend mm-hmm. about five minutes on it. And then I'm like, listen, this community has changed my life and I'm ready to help you change yours, right? Mm-hmm. And you joke with them. And I make very visual cues on on certain movements so like Mm -hmm. when it comes to like double unders one of my biggest cues is talking about Winnie the Pooh and his best (laughs) friend Tigger right and how does Tigger jump he jumps on his tail his tail is a spring you know so you kind of make things like really visual for somebody so that they're able to go okay I have my Tigger feet on and I have to do what you know, mm-hmm. so you, I, I'm very animated when it comes to that. But also earning people's respect and asking them, like, what are they nervous about? You know, what, do they have any questions for me? And if, the, and if they don't feel comfortable, you know, what makes them not feel comfortable? And is there anything I can do to change it? So I think that that's been one of the biggest things that I do to kind of get people more comfortable. And I think now the perception used to be, oh, I don't want to hurt them, right? I don't want to hurt an adaptive athlete's feelings or I don't want to hurt them physically. Mm-hmm. And now they look at us and they're like, wow, we don't want you to hurt us. <laughs> you're <laughs> a little scared of you probably. <laughs> but I think that, and especially like, you know, with everything that happened with Kevin's accident, I think the, the world is more open-minded now um, to the amazing things that adaptive athletes can do. I don't think it's a surprise now when you have an adaptive athlete that becomes a coach. It's going to take a while for people to, you know, truly, truly accept it. But Mm -hmm. after it happens, it's a pretty cool transition. You know, my athletes trust me just like they would trust you. So it's it's really cool to see and to see um, what you've done. I'd love to take one of your classes one day. (laughs) Yeah, because I, I think it's so yeah, it's so interesting, you know, to see everyone's different coaching styles and then the way that you adapt and the way that you make other coaches better by, you know, by sharing the different methods that you develop. I have to use a lot more verbal cueing and a lot more tactical cueing than than most coaches do, right? So which is which when is weak about Yeah, which is difficult. I think most people tend to rely more on their demonstration or their visual cues because that's what generally oh, yeah. what they're most comfortable with so I think it's much more challenging to come up with good verbal cues and good tactile cues um, and you know it's cool to see to see all the things that you've done with it I, I walked into a gym once in Michigan and this girl had been following me on Instagram for a while Mm-hmm. And I just had walked in to see the lay of the land. I was doing a speaking engagement there. And after the class was over, she asked me if I could help her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, I just became, you know, a level one. And I would really like to see if you could just kind of help me out. So I was like, okay, cool. So she, we were going over the cleaning. Okay. And she was, she was doing great with the PVC. But I said, hey, I have a question. Can you teach that without using a PVC? Mm-hmm. And she was like, I don't know. And I said, well, you want to try? I took the PVC away from her, and you would think that I took her voice box away. She, like, <laughs> had no clue. Not, And it was just because people are so used to picking up a bar and saying, this is where you put your feet. This is where, you know, the bar goes between your shins kind of thing. And, like, mm-hmm. it was just so interesting to see her perspective. And the minute I put the PVC back in her hand, she was comfortable again. So I challenged her and I said, you know, I'm going to come back, you know, in the next couple of days. I would love to see, you know, the way if that's changed for you. And she came to me the next morning and she's like, oh my God, you'd be so excited. I taught a class without using the barbell. <laughs> so that was fun. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, wow. it was cool. It's again, it's like being out of your comfort zone. That's how you grow. Mm, it's true. Um, so, so then we talked a little bit earlier about competition. 
And I know you had you said you competed in cycling prior to CrossFit, but when did you start getting that competitive itch again or decide that you wanted to try to compete in CrossFit? Well, um, I lost, <clears throat> excuse me, I lost one of my best friends when I was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And he, his name was Scott, and he was born without any arms. And he played basketball with his feet. He was competitive. Wow. He was super competitive. And as soon as he passed away, that kind of like flipped a light switch um, for me. So going into CrossFit, I had now been dealing with Scott's death for five years or so. Okay. And every time I would want to kind of give up, I would always look down and um, I always used to put his initials on my hand okay. uh, whenever I would compete. And at Crush Games, if you see some of the pictures, you'll see, like, uh, I have an SP on my hand. Oh, cool. And, um, Crush Games was the first real competition that I ever did. And I just remember calling Mike, and I said, I don't know, like, why I want to do this, but I just want to try. And mm-hmm. he said, and I think it was, like, three weeks until Crush Games, and he was like, you know what? Let's try it. Yeah. And I'm so- I'm so glad I did because it opened doors for a lot of things. So after Crush Games, I contacted Guido Trinidad and I was like, hey, I did this, you know, at um, Crush. I would Mm -hmm. love to do this at Wadapalooza. And I remember it was myself and then my friend Natalie, who um, she's actually going to the Paralympics this year in Rio. Oh, wow. Um, But yeah. She uh, has uh, her leg amputated. So I said to her, you know, maybe we should try this. And she and I were the only two um, adaptive athletes there, but I was the only one uh, competing in a completely scaled, scaled division is what I called it. Okay. I would scale, scale division. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I remember saying to Guido, I want this to be a thing. I don't want to be the only one competing all the time. Mm-hmm. And that kind of opened the doors for, for what, you know, competitive competitions look like now. Wadapalooza is going to be amazing. For the last, you know, two years, I've been heading the adaptive division um, with Guido. And mm-hmm. this year, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to be there. But, um, you know, Chris Stoutenberg is running the adaptive side of things, and he's a very good friend of mine. He runs a, a company called Wheelwad, mm-hmm. and so and, and the website Wheelwad, and so all of these things have kind of just snowballed into giving more and more adaptive athletes, no matter your no matter if you're standing, you're sitting, you have visual impairment, speaking impairment, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you can work out. That's the point, you know, and you can compete at a level that, you know, hopefully in the next couple of years, we'll be able to to give people the opportunity to go as games athletes, you know, and hopefully that's something that is going to start to come true sooner rather than later. Um, But, yeah, I think that's kind of the whole thing started with really wanting to prove to myself that I was good enough and then, you know, making Scott proud because when he passed, I had lost a big part of my life and he gives me that competitive edge every day to fight even the fight that I'm fighting now mm-hmm. I, I I'm still competitive at it because uh it's you know it's something that we're just trying to beat and uh it's it's, it's been a good good reminder every day so that's good well I'm sure he is looking down smiling and very proud of everything that you're doing um, yeah I'd hope so, so how Tell me about how the this competitive group has grown. Now, like how many athletes are doing Wadapalooza? I know that you also have developed a um, an adaptive open um, platform as yeah. well. So about two years ago on my birthday, uh, mm-hmm. it's very exciting. It was a pretty cool <laughs> weekend. Um, I met up with Kevin Ogar. Kristen, Stout- uh, Kristen, Chris Stoutenberg, uh, Chris Stoutenberg, and Gustavo Marquez, and myself. And okay. we, you would walk into this gym in California, and you could just feel the fire. The four <laughs> of us had never, the four of us had never actually met all together um, at once. So I had met Kevin, 
Okay. Chris had met, you know, Chris hadn't hadn't met any of us, and Gustavo met both both Kevin and I. So this was the first time all four of us really got together. Mm-hmm. Um, and every single one of those guys was in an accident of some sort. So I came in with the perspective of, you know, I was born this way, you know, right. kind of this thing. Way, yeah. yeah, yeah. We we just we just kind of clicked and hit it off. And then, you know, the powers of social media, we started this group text uh, that I still have in my phone until this day. Mm -hmm. uh, And we started adding more and more people to the group text. And it was, hey, why don't we try? And we put together a wheelchair gang Wednesday workout one day. This was like the beginning of it. We're like, "Why why don't we post a workout every Wednesday and we'll call it wheelchair gang workout Wednesday and we'll see who else wants to do it. Yeah. And so a few weeks later we were like, why don't we do this every day? And then we started doing <laughs> workouts on just each other and okay. we started posting them on social media and then we'd be like, well, this sucked, but we should, that was amazing. You know, like even though it was horrible, it was awesome. So mm-hmm. we started posting more and more. And then Chris came up with this idea. Um, he launched wheelwatt.com, um, okay. and he's out of Canada. And so we started giving him workouts to post on Wheelwatt, mm-hmm. and more and more people were coming out of the woodworks, and it just it became this like snowball effect because you have people like Chef in Virginia who are who are dealing with Crossroads Adaptive Athletic Alliance, which is a, a wonderful organization and has a, a really cool focus, but a lot of focus was on um, amputees and things like that. So okay. this gave okay. this gave the wheelchairs or the wheelie community, as we like to call it, you know, mm-hmm. a place to kind of go. And, and every single day, the the population was growing. So you asked about Wadapalooza. I think this year I just got a text from Chris that said. He had 60 athletes registered for the qualifications, which is cool because they're going to take, they're going to do all different sorts of scaling divisions, RX divisions. So it's been nice to try to find that breakdown of how do we, how do we make it RX? How do we make it scaled? How do we break it down so this person doesn't feel ostracized? And Mm -hmm. so it's been, it's been a really cool way to do things. And so you'll have a standing division and you'll have a seated division and all different breakdowns of how that's going to work. Um, like I said, unfortunately, I, I won't really be there this year, but I'll try to be as involved as possible. So the the community has grown to a number that I can't really tell you, which mm-hmm. has been nice to, to know because it's probably in like the hundreds, if not maybe a thousand people. Um, but I think also these organizations are giving coaches, like able-bodied coaches, a better perspective. So when mm-hmm. somebody comes to their gym and says, hey, I'm an adaptive athlete. It's not like, oh, hey, cool, go in the corner and you do your, you know, one-arm curls, you know. No, come join our class and we'll figure it out. So That's amazing. So, and that's wheelwad.com where people can find that? Yeah. Okay. Everyone can go to wheelwad.com. It's completely free. It's um, just a free blog site, website for people to go and get information and get different workouts and there's video breakdown and sometimes you'll see me do a video sometimes you'll see Kevin do a video and Chris does a lot of videos so um yeah amazing and I have to ask what is it like to be in that that group that you've your kind of your core group what is it like to be the only female (laughs) well well, luckily you know I'm not the only female now in, in the entire group, right. but in my core, in my core group of guys, I have the best brothers in the world. These <laughs> boys have my back. Um, we have, we have added, you know, a good group of people to, to that group, but mm-hmm. there's also, so um, Texas. And so we're all talking to each other almost every day. And especially now, since I'm going through stuff, you know, I hear from these guys every single day and they're like my big brothers. And yeah, we give each other crap all the time. And, you know, we, we poke fun with one another, but the coolest thing is to know that they're just people. Everybody is just a person and Mm -hmm. we're just a special group of friends, which I really like friendship is not something that comes easy. And when you find really, really, 
really good friends. You got to hang on to them. And it's just been a really special ride. And they've just helped me through a lot of stuff. And I think everything kind of happens for a reason. You know, we talk about, I talk about Kevin all the time because Kevin was like one of the biggest reasons all of us got together mm-hmm. and tried to build him back up. You know, as soon as he got hurt, mm-hmm. I was one of the first people to reach out to him and say, hey, I know this sucks for you, but it's going to get better. Mm-hmm. And I, I never really dwelled on the fact that he got hurt. I was like, dude, I, I, want, you in our, I want you in our crew, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, I knew that it would be something special. And, you know, whether, whether we're planning a trip to Colorado or planning a trip to Canada, planning mm-hmm. a trip to Texas or going to California, it's like to have those people in your corner in all angles of the world is pretty amazing, so... It sounds amazing. And that that bond that you guys have is, it's so strong and it's so cool to see how you support each other. But being the only girl can be rough sometimes. (laughs) Not going to lie. I can can definitely hold my own. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, well, we've been referencing a little bit this battle that you're going through now. Yeah. Um, But you got some pretty terrible news back in May. Can you tell us? what you are facing all right well it's actually kind of it's kind of surreal to think about what I was doing beforehand mm-hmm. um I had left on a trip to go hang out with Rich Froning uh, <laughs> to go work with uh to go work with Chris Henshaw and mm-hmm. do some things for his aerobic capacity program mm-hmm. and I left for that trip on April 18th Okay. And I went and hung out with Rich and his Mayhem crew, and uh, on I think it was like the 22nd or no, I think it was like the 25th. Um, Chris had scheduled a workout for us to do. Okay. And Chris throws workouts at me all the time. And I'm like, yeah, this is gonna be great. And I told Chris that like a day before I got there, I said, you know. Just letting you know, I'm really like not feeling well. I'm gonna mm-hmm. try my best, but I'm just I'm really sick. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, I don't really, we don't really know what this is, but uh, I'm gonna do my best. And we had film crews there that were filming stuff, and so I'm like, man, I can't look like crap on on Fair camera. Is. But uh, so we did this workout, and to be honest with you, I I couldn't finish half of it, mm-hmm. and. I remember sitting down with Rich and I said, I don't know what's wrong with me right now, but I think something's not right. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not really a religious person, but I'm friendly with him. And I know he has like some people say it's like the fr- rich frowning effect. <laughs> he has he has some like just very calm way about him. And so I yeah. sat down with him and I said, you know, is there is there any way like I could pray with you? Mm-hmm. And I said, because I really like something's not right with me. And he's like, yeah, it's all right. So we we did our thing. We prayed and he prayed with me. And then we left the track. And about two days later, I had to go get for a biopsy mm-hmm. um, back in Florida. And I went for this biopsy in my neck. And to get the the doctor came back and he was like, I don't know what this is, but I, I think it's could be some sort of cancer. And mm-hmm. so I was like, Oh my God, like wow. <laughs> now what? Um, so I called my parents and I'm originally from New York okay. and my parents said, uh, you have to come home. And I said, okay. And, and within 48 hours we had booked a ticket and I was coming home. And fortunately I wasn't coming home alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, my boyfriend came with me. Um, we thought that we were going to be there for a week. Mm-hmm. I had thought that I had mono. Right. And that I would, they would give me some antibiotics and I would go home. We got to New York, had one day of full testing, mm-hmm. and doctors kept saying, this isn't mono, this isn't mono, this isn't, this isn't, I don't know what this is, but this isn't that. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. And granted, in CrossFit, we're very aware of our bodies. And that's the thing that I think truly saved my life um, because I started feeling pain like a, a week beforehand, mm-hmm. before all that. 
So I started writing stuff down. I started writing everything that I was feeling. Mm-hmm. Started having these night sweats. Um, and then I started losing a lot of weight. I started my process at 137, which was a very healthy weight for me. Mm-hmm. And by the time I had gotten to New York, two weeks later, I was 119. Wow. And I had lost a ton of weight. And I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything different. I mm-hmm. wasn't not eating, you know, I was eating, but I was just losing weight. Right. So we go to New York and the doctor's like, we don't know what this is, but we have to have a full incisional biopsy. So I'm like, oh my God, they really think that this is cancer. And so we do the incisional biopsy and they take a big lymph node from my neck and uh, I'm waking up from surgery and the, my dad my, is sitting on one side, my mom's sitting on the other side of the bed, and my boyfriend's at the end. Mm-hmm. My dad looks at me, and he goes, yep, so you have some sort of lymphoma. And uh, they don't know what it is yet because they haven't gotten the full pathology report, but you got some cancer. And I said, all right. I'm like, now what? Wow. And uh, about a week later, May 23rd, I got the full diagnosis. I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma of stage 3B. Um, And that basically meant that there were enlarged lymph nodes in the top of my body and the lower part of my body. And I remember sitting with Rich, um, and I kept telling him that my back was hurting me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why is my back hurting? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And then I figured out why. Uh, the cancer had spread to, spread to my spleen, and okay. and I guess that's why my back was hurting. So we go to the doctor, and I have this amazing doctor. I'm working with Memorial Sloan, mm-hmm. and she looks at me, and she's like, "So, I've worked with people with CP before with breast cancer, mm-hmm. but I've I've never worked with people with CP or someone with CP with lymphoma." I'm like, "Oh, great." So now, I, <laughs> now I, you're the first of something else. <laughs> so I, I looked at her and I said, I asked her two questions. I said, number one, is this curable? And number two, am I going to lose my hair? Mm-hmm. And she said yes to both things. And I lost it for a, a second. I'm and sure. then I, I kind of got back on track because she told me I was the first. So what did I do? I, I started taking notes. Mm-hmm. And I take notes till this day. Um, we're on about day 80 right now. And uh, we got, you know, we got a long way to go. We got about 100 or so days left. Okay. But um, I looked at her and I said, I'm going to do everything I can to give you as much information so that you can help somebody else in the future. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, cool. Um, Fortunately for me, and I can say this now, uh, it took me seven weeks, but I'm in remission. Wow. So, uh, uh, and doctor looked at me, and she said, I've never seen anything like you before in my life. I said, listen, I don't have time for cancer. <laughs> <laughs> I've got things to do. <laughs> uh, I asked her when, it was like a week before she told me I was in remission. We had done chemo. Mm-hmm. And... I said, I know you don't know what this is. And I turned around a video of me doing a clean. Okay. And I said, I said, would it be safe for me to do this? Because I have the port in, you know, in, by my mm-hmm. chest. She goes, yeah, it's safe for you to do it. But I don't know, like, who would want to do that? And I, <laughs> I was like, I was like, that's the best news you could have ever given me. <laughs> so, um. So I still I still work out, um, mm-hmm. not as not as heavy and not as fast as I would like to. Um, I am in remission, but we have to be very careful. So I still, you know, um, I have to be very careful of any sort of germs and things like that. My immune system is very compromised. Uh, my next chemo is actually tomorrow. So I still have to go through about three more months of chemo. My last chemo treatment will be on November 4th. And then we have to wait two more weeks after that. But, um, I really truly believe that um, two things helped me beat cancer as fast as I could. And two things are complete support and CrossFit. CrossFit 100% made all the difference because I was already healthy beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like in, 
you know, I must have, I had cancer, but I was, I was healthy and I took care of my body and I knew something wasn't right. And my strength to be able to, you know, lift a barbell or lift a med ball, like those things helped me when it came to, we're going to pump all these drugs into your system. Mm -hmm. So the scariest part for me um, was that the doctor was really nervous about doctor was really nervous about me having cerebral palsy and some of the medicines and how they would affect my blood system. Okay. Uh, and when the doctor says, well, we're going to give you chemo, but it might affect your CP. You're like, what? Like I have no choice. I, I need, I need this chemo and I don't know. And she kept saying to me, she's like, if you have any shortness of breath, you need to tell me okay. I'm like, why. And she was like, well, because it could cause congestive heart failure. And I'm like, God, just don't tell me these things. Like, I, <laughs> I wanted her to tell me, but I was like, it might have been better for her not to tell me. But I remember going to her and I said, I just did like a 35-minute cardio workout. Mm-hmm. And she's like, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. And she goes, man, I've never, she's never seen anything like it before. So she was able to take out one of the drugs in my treatment plan oh, after, wow. after I had been in remission. And that was the one that kind of affects your your cardiovascular system okay so that, that's been really good so we kind of have that worry out of the way um there's still we're a little bit worried about like the neuropathy in your feet and hands and for people for people that don't know what that is it's like the tingling in your fingers mm-hmm. could happen in your feet and she said that that could affect like the way that I walk so I've been doing chiropractic work while mm-hmm. I'm going through chemo and taking all these precautions and I'm doing really well. So it's more about, um, I think it's more about the mental side of things. Another thing that people don't realize is the doctor's doing something pretty amazing. She's putting me through, um, early menopause. So I get, um, I have the benefit of like freezing my eggs or freezing my entire, um, ovary system Mm -hmm. so that um, I could hopefully have a baby in the future, which wow. will be really cool. Um, but we didn't have time to wait six weeks. So, cause that's the retrieval, the egg retrieval process takes six weeks. Okay. So, um, she was like, Oh, I have this other treatment, you know, and you, you basically put your body through menopause. I'm like, okay, like that's fine. I didn't know what like all of that entails. That entails a lot. So, so now you're going through menopause and chemo. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> my, my poor boyfriend, I really think he's like the, the greatest thing on the planet because my emotions have just been so out of whack and everything has just been up and down and I can dr- cry at the drop of a hat and feel freezing cold and feel hot and all those things all at one time. So it's wow. a lot. Yeah. It's, but, a, it's amazing that you've been going through all that, but yet still obviously doing different types of workouts, but still able to do some workouts. Can oh, you talk yeah, about, yeah. and you talk about like how you listen, you're able to listen to your body and kind of know what's appropriate, but, but how do you make those decisions about when is it okay to work out? How far do you really push yourself? So one thing that I think is important to me and why I love the fact that we're doing this today is that mm-hmm. I want to tell people the cancer doesn't always come with a death sentence, right? It's not beautiful, and it's not something that I would ever wish on anybody, even my worst enemy. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to suck all the time. And so I have about four days. Uh, so chemo happens on a Friday, mm-hmm. and then I have until, like, Tuesday until I feel pretty good to go. Okay. Um, in the, in the beginning, it was a lot sooner. The turnover was like one or two days, but mm-hmm. the, the treatments are cumulative. And, uh, as, you know, as like a medical student, you, you know all these different kinds of terms and things, but I'm learning so much about the body. Mm-hmm. And I learned very quickly that I can't fight the fact uh, that I will gain some weight. So right now I'm, I look at myself in the mirror and I don't really love it. <laughs> it's hard. But I know that I'm going to get back to where mm-hmm. I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but you ask me, like, how I know. So if I if I can wake up before, like, if I can wake up at, like, 7.30 and mm-hmm. feel energized, I know it's going to be a good day. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes you feel like you have a cold sometimes and you just want to, like, lay in bed. Right. I try, I try every day to get out of bed by at least 9 o'clock because it's mm-hmm. just not healthy for you to 
mean bed all day. Mm-hmm. But the other day I felt really, really good. And I went to the gym and, you know, I did very light presses. And it was funny because I looked at that video that I posted the other day. Mm-hmm. And 42 pounds was like my PR, mm-hmm. right? And yes, uh, two days ago I picked up 42 pounds and I felt like it was a PR. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I have good days and so and I have bad days. But the chemo treatment is every two weeks. So it's normally the first week is kind of all right, and mm-hmm. the second week is my good is my good week. So I try okay. my best to have the better good you know on the good weeks really trying to work out I've been mm-hmm. working with Dusty Highland in California okay. um he's a he's a really good friend of mine and cancer has touched his life more than I would ever wish on any person and I remember saying to him I looked at one of his workouts that he was doing and I was like hey like would you ever want to help me program while while in chemo and like mm-hmm. figuring things out that like maybe we could do together because I don't, I don't like just sitting here doing nothing. And so it's been, you know, a back and forth. He'll be like, are you, you feel good today? You want to work out today? And I'll tell him ahead of time, you know, can you write me like a little workout? And they're Mm -hmm. not just little workouts, you know, like his, (laughs) his his athletes don't mess around, but I'll, you know, I'll take his workouts and I'll scale them to my ability and then I'll send them to him. And I think that, that's what's cool about this community too is I'm going to come back as a coach and I'm going to come back with a completely different perspective not just the perspective of somebody with CP but somebody that's going through like intense treatment doesn't Mm -hmm. mean you can't work out you know and Jason Khalifa was one of the first people I called Mm -hmm. I and luckily you know I have a great relationship with him and I called him and I said um you're one of the first people to know this but I have cancer and I know that you're going through all this stuff with Ava. And, like, what what do I expect? You know, yeah. like, I was scared. I was yeah. really scared. And he said, you know, take advantage of the good days and, and do your best. Mm-hmm. And he explained to me some of, like, what the the drugs might do because some of the treatments are similar. And, mm-hmm. all right. and mm-hmm. he explained to me, you know, just not to be afraid and... It, it was. It's really cool to have the community. You know, even Coach Glassman. I contacted him and I was like, "Hey, just letting you know, like, I'm not going to be at regionals this year. I don't want mm-hmm. you to think like I have, you know, just disappeared off the face of the planet. But mm-hmm. I, I'm diagnosed with cancer." And he gave me his phone number and he was like, "Anything you need, you let me know." And yeah. it's just been cool. Yeah. You know, like everybody has just been so supportive and it, you don't realize that like I never realized the impact that I actually like had in the community till because it was the weekend of regionals the east re, um regionals that I okay. found out and wow. a lot of my friends are competing so mm-hmm. I didn't want to ruin their weekend you know <laughs> so I waited until the end mm-hmm. and at the end I, I called Noah Olson and, and I said like hey like I just want to let you know like this is what we're really going through this is why I'm here mm-hmm. every single person was like we really missed you you know we really missed you at regionals we really missed you at the games mm-hmm. and like just makes you feel good you know yeah just really yeah. It really makes you feel good to see how much you've given to so many other people and now that you're in this position that they're all right there and to support you and I think that's the beautiful thing about CrossFit, whether it's, you know, on a national, international level or whether it's just within your local box that you know you always have those people who are going to be there for you no matter what. Yeah, when I when I found out I got diagnosed, everybody wanted to know how they could help financially. And luckily, I'm, I'm so blessed. I have a family that has the resources to, to give me any of the treatment that I need. So I didn't need anything financially but the one thing that we did create was the one more rep for the hammer hashtag and what that did for me and what that still does for me is when people post a video um during my chemos like tomorrow i'll pull them out and watch all the videos just Mm -hmm. to keep me like in good spirits because when they're poking and prodding at you and you're you know taking in all these drugs it's like it sucks (laughs) you know and so to, I asked my friends and the whole community, you know, when you're doing a workout tomorrow, just kind of, you know, do do an extra rep for me because I can't right now. And mm-hmm. I've gotten so many people that I don't even know 
that I've just been like keep it up like I don't even know you but you're awesome and like Mm -hmm. you got this and even when you go through remission like even when they tell you you're in remission I thought like that was the end like Mm -hmm. okay cool I'm gonna feel awesome right and the doctor was like yeah not so fast (laughs) you know (laughs) we're not quite done yet yeah so it's you know it's been really nice to be able to know that I have made that impact and I get to, you know, be friends with people like you. And it's just nice to, to have that. So it's amazing. Like, well, hopefully everyone listening to this podcast will make a post and do a couple of extra reps for you um, next <laughs> yeah. time I do a workout. Awesome. Um, so I have a few questions that I ask everyone on the podcast. Sure. Um, first one is, three things that you do on a regular basis that you think have the biggest positive impact on your health? Three things I do on a positive, on a regular basis. Um, number one, I try to work out right now on a regular basis. That, mm-hmm. uh, and even before this, that was like my, that was my step time, you know? Yep. Um, uh, number two, I listen to some, some music cause I love music. I don't do anything without music. I uh, love that. Yeah, and number three, I laugh a lot. My boyfriend is one of the funniest people I've ever met, and <laughs> just, he makes me crack up laughing. So it's been that that's been a really big help for me too. So I try to laugh every day. That's yeah. so important. And what kind yeah. of music do you like? Uh, it's funny because we just talked about this, but I I love I love country music. I oh, also me too. Love, yeah, I love hip hop, R and B. I love all different kinds of music. So okay, um, you like yeah, to mix it up. I do. Awesome. Is there one thing that you think would have a big impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it or doing it on a regular basis? Um, well, I've learned over the six months or over the time that I've been yeah. here, so like four months, that relaxing is good for you so I think I I want to take that back with me if there's one thing that I could take away from cancer I think it would be kind of relaxing a little bit more and enjoying things outside of the gym Mm -hmm. Uh, I just did a photo shoot for something and that was like one of the most fun things that I could have ever done and I never really do that Um, and not to say that it has to be a fancy photo shoot or anything but like just getting out and, and not really always touching a barbell I think that we get so focused on CrossFit and being part of the community that -hmm. sometimes we forget that there are other things that you know people can enjoy and (laughs) you can like you can like a couple things other than CrossFit I think this this whole experience has taught me that awesome what are some of your favorite things to do outside the gym well I'm learning to cook so that's been fun um because I spend most of my time inside right now so I've been trying to cook things you know mostly paleo mostly healthy mm-hmm. um i have a really big sweet tooth right now and they say that that's normal but uh i'm also nut free so because i have some nut allergies so i'm trying okay. to learn like all these new like healthy recipes mm-hmm. everything uses coconut oil and stuff so i'm trying right. to find other variations to do that so i cook um my boyfriend's an artist so i've been trying to catch up to him and wow. try to learn how to paint a little bit so that's been fun um, and I just like to hang out with, you know, just like to hang out with people. Even spending time with you has been just refreshing because it's nice to not be alone sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't imagine, you know, having to be inside so much and just try to protect your immune system like that. You're probably getting a little cabin fever. Yeah, it's it's not too bad. I'm, I'm allowed to go outside. You just have to be really careful of the sun. And, right. you know, people work. People, you know, pe- you know, everybody works. My boyfriend works here and my parents work. And mm-hmm. so it's not like everybody can just pick up all of their life and be like, okay, you know, so I'm good on my own. But it's nice to have human interaction. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, some, I think sometimes we take that part for granted being at the gym all day and how many different right. people we get to interact with. Yeah. Um, okay. Is there a favorite book or favorite movie or something that you would recommend other people read? Um, I'm actually reading this book called Resilience right now. Hmm. Um, I, I, for the life of me, can't remember the author. The book's in my room, so I don't want to go grab it. But it's called, it's called Resilience. I believe the author's um, first name is Eric, so you can look that up. Okay, but, we'll look that up. Um, it's mainly about a, 
a friend of his that was um, an active duty um, military and he just, his life kind of spiraled out of control after he got out of the military. Mm-hmm. And so this guy ends up in, in jail and his friend writes him letters and is basically talking about like what he's going to do and how he's going to better his life once he gets out. Um, and I'm just in the beginnings of it, but it really shows you like the importance of a positive attitude, positive outlook, positive thinking. Mm -hmm. And even when, you know, you're really struggling, you know, to really look inside yourself and see that not everything has to be so bad. And I think that that's been a really good pick me up for me Mm because even though I'm a very positive person, I I was going to say, I think that you're, you're maybe more positive than anyone else I know. (laughs) I I can't lie to you, Julie. It's been really hard. And sometimes I question things and mm-hmm. the biggest question is like, why did this happen to me? You know, right. and I'm still figuring this out, you know, like why, if it happened to me, like why did it have to happen for only seven weeks? Like what is the lesson that I'm, and I'm not being greedy, you know, like I'm grateful mm-hmm. that that happened, but like, what was the point of it? You know? Mm-hmm. And like, I think sometimes I think about work schedule beforehand. Cause I used to open the gym at 4am and close mm-hmm. the gym at, nine o'clock at night and so and I would do that every day yeah and so like you know I think about that maybe it was it was in some way the universe telling me I needed to take a break you know but um I I I learning some of those lessons like you've been saying about oh maybe I need to relax sometimes or take some time for myself and uh my favorite movie uh, I, I'm not a really big movie person. I love Disney movies. I saw mm. Zootopia and I fell in love with it. <laughs> I just heard, I was just talking to a friend the other day who watched it and said it was amazing. So that's was, on my list now. I mean, I'm a grown woman and I still love all the movies. So. <laughs> They're still going to be my favorites. Yeah. Awesome. Well, how can people follow you or get involved with what you're doing or um, kind of keep up with your journey and your progress here? Yeah, they can follow me on social media. Um, everything from Facebook to Twitter to Instagram is Steph the Hammer. Okay. Um, you can also follow my blog. It's stephthehammer.blogspot.com. Okay. Um, and then there's one other thing that I really want to talk about because I think it's really important. Um, so I mentioned that I've been working with Dusty Highland yep. for quite a while. And he runs a, um event every year called Crush Cancer Event. Um, and I just want to get the details right, so I'm just going to look at my phone really quick. Yes. Um, but I wanted to make sure, because I'm going to actually be involved with this myself. So Crush Cancer, it's happening October 22nd okay. um, at Dogtown CrossFit, and it benefits Stand Up to Cancer. So all the money they've raised goes to Stand Up to Cancer. They've had events all over the world, so it's been cool. Um and they've raised over $750,000 for cancer. So wow. if, if people want to get involved, it's going to be one really big workout okay. uh, on October 22nd. I'm actually going to do a version of the workout. Awesome. Uh, that weekend is my chemo weekend, so I'm not going to be able to be there, and I'm not able to fly uh, right now. But I will be doing a version of it and hopefully going to be either on FaceTime or on Skype supporting the event as well so if people want to head over and find out more information they can definitely contact him as well awesome and i'll put a link to that in the post when i post the podcast so if you're listening you can check it out there awesome well i know i've heard you say that you don't always like to be called inspirational but when you are though you are incredibly inspirational um (laughs) but you like to to use that for a positive change. So you like to see people use that inspiration and then make a positive change in their life. So for people listening today, what do you hope they take away from this conversation and maybe apply to their own life? Um, a few things. I hope that people, if you have never worked with or um, come in contact with an adaptive athlete, do that sooner rather than later because the perspective is going to change your life. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I am an adaptive athlete, but because it's happened to me, you know, I, I've met so many different kinds of adaptive athletes that have so many cool stories and can teach you so many different things. Um, so I think that's, you know, number one, number two is if you take anything away from this is make sure you listen to your body, 
because uh, if I would have waited any longer, this would have ended up in my bone marrow. It could have ended up, you know, being a lot worse than it actually was. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that, you know, I, I felt something in my body. I knew something wasn't right. And I went to a doctor and I checked it out. Um, I know it sounds super cheesy, but, you know, you just got to take care of yourself. And I know people are so afraid to go to doctors and so afraid to, you know, hear that something might be wrong with them. But I'm still sitting here. I'm still sitting here talking to you. So it's better than planning my funeral, <laughs> you know. And that's kind of the perspective is I'm, I'm very lucky. And now that, you know, I have this complete uh, different perspective. I get to give it to other people. So, uh, my biggest hope, if anybody's like listening, I hope that, you know, once this is all done, that somebody will give me a job. So that'll be, <laughs> that'll be nice. I haven't coached in a while. Uh, no, but I, in all seriousness, I, I, I still love it. And, and I can't wait to get back and, and be a better coach, be a better athlete, um, and just be a better overall person and a healthier person. Um, going back into it. so Amazing. Well, I don't think you'll have any trouble finding a job when you're ready for one again. And I can't wait to see all the things that you continue to do and to grow and develop this community um, and make other people's lives better. Because I know that you've been doing that. You've done that already for a lot of people and you continue to do that. Um, and I think you're one of the greatest examples of having that positive attitude and of always looking at things that you're able to do and that you can do rather than dwelling on challenges or, you know, thinking about the negative. So I know that's something that I take away from this conversation um, for my own life as well. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate that. Well, thank you um, again for opening up and for sharing so much about your journey right now. We're all behind you and um, we, you know, wish you the best for the next 100 or so days that you have left to go and yeah. we'll be supporting you. We'll be doing our extra reps for you um, and can't wait to see you back in the gym. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Steph is always so generous in sharing her story and her experience, and it's so hard to see her going through her lymphoma treatments right now. Like she mentioned, the CrossFit community has been amazing in supporting her, but you can continue to help. Tag a photo or a video of yourself performing one extra rep in your next workout with hashtag numeral one more rep for the hammer. She looks at these before her chemo treatments and draws a tremendous amount of inspiration from your support. Also, as she mentioned, make sure you check out the 2016 Crush Cancer event, which is linked up under this post on my website, juliefouché.com. To make sure you never miss an episode and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website, juliefouché.com, where you can subscribe to my email list. Also, don't forget to share your stories. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please email me at info at juliefouché.com. I'll choose some of these inspiring stories to share here on the podcast in future episodes. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, don't forget you can train with me by visiting beyondthewhiteboard.com slash juliefouché. I always love hearing your feedback, so please leave comments under this post on my website, juliefouché.com, and share your thoughts on social media with the hashtag JFHealth. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health. Pursuing Health.